welcome to More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is defined by more than your job title. I'm Rabia, an IT project manager, comedian, nonprofit volunteer, and sometimes activist. Every week, I'll chat with a guest about pursuing passions outside of work or creating meaningful opportunities inside the workplace. As you listen, I hope you'll be inspired to do the same. All right, so this is a very, very special episode because this is the first episode of More Than Work with a guest, and I'm really excited about my first guest. Uh, She's someone who I can describe with a great and lovely alliteration, actor, artist, activist, Shawnee Badger. So Shawnee, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the More Than Work audience? Hi. Hi, everybody. My name is Shawnee Badger. Yes, I'm an actor here in the Los Angeles area. I am a political, environmental, and human rights and animal rights activist, and I'm an artist. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. That's great. So we met at a Democratic club in Santa Cruda, California, which I'm, um, I'd say a generation older than you, but I don't want to admit that. And when I, (laughs) you know, that's like, oh, God. (laughs) Uh, But when I lived there, there was no such thing, basically, or when I grew up there. And so then I met you and I was really inspired by just things you were doing. And that's one reason we're chatting today. But let's just talk about kind of early your path, your path early on. And um, you almost went to UCLA, right? Totally. Yeah, I did. I almost went to UCLA. I, I applied as an English major. And I got in. And I decided to pursue acting and it was kind of cool because like early on in my acting, I was very like nervous and kind of timid or had stage fright or didn't really uh, own my voice. And it was actually through political activism that I was able to find my voice and myself. And then when I came back to acting again, it was a lot better. <laughs> it's more natural and I wasn't so afraid and I could own my my voice and my emotions and my feelings and uh, put those all out on the stage. So, so yeah, politics really has helped my acting too. <laughs> that's, I think that's a method no one's heard about yet. I know. Like, do politics then, uh, then go into acting. Exactly. <laughs> so let's just, let's talk a little bit about the politics and then we'll get into some other things. Thinking about what drew you to politics and some of the causes I know that you're really, um, you really care about like in the environment and veganism. Can you talk about some of your work there? Totally. Yeah. So I think I first got like engaged in politics. I mean, I was always sort of interested. Like I remember when I was in high school, I was really excited about Obama. And when I was really young, I was really into Al Gore. Um, I was always excited to be able to vote, but it was really like through the Bernie Sanders presidential campaign that I actually got like super involved and like became a member of the local democratic club in Santa Clarita and um, became a delegate. And while volunteering on the Bernie Sanders campaign in 2016, I remember, or I guess it was 2015 coming home and late at night, I opened up Netflix and I watched Cowspiracy. It was on my Netflix landing page. And I was like, well, ah, I'll watch it. Why not? I, <laughs> I've always kind of thought, you know, I've uh, met some vegans at work or when I was at College of the Canyons, I had a vegan friend 
And I always kind of admired people who were vegan, but I was like a meat eater, a cheese eater. I grew up eating McDonald's three mm-hmm. times a day, <laughs> really <laughs> bad stuff. And I watched this documentary and oh my gosh, it just totally rocked my world. And the next day I went vegan and uh, it's been my, actually my six year vegan anniversary is coming up or maybe it's five year, five year vegan anniversary is coming up. Um, and yeah, I'm super, I'm super into uh, animal rights and, um, but it really started with the environment, the intersectionality of animal agriculture and the environment. And so when I got involved in the Democratic Party, the California Democratic Party and the local clubs, I learned about writing resolutions and that you could write and pass resolutions and you could even, as a Democrat, anybody can do this pretty much if you know somebody who's on the central committee or who is a delegate to the state party, you can write language to put into the state party platform so I, I wrote a resolution about animal agriculture and our environment, and that passed unanimously, which is crazy because the resolutions committee is nobody's vegan, <laughs> or maybe one person <laughs> is a vegetarian, but nobody's vegan. And it passed unanimously through the Los Angeles County Democratic Party and then the California Democratic Party. And then once the resolution passed, I wrote this couple sentences that got put into the 2018 California Democratic Party platform. And it's still in there right now. And then after that, it was so cool. My friend, um, who's an assembly member in San Jose, Ash Cholera, oh, he's the best. He saw the platform amendment and the resolution. And so he wrote, based on my resolution, a resolution that passed through the California legislature and it's called ACR 279 and it's a resolution encouraging Californians to eat plant-based diets for their health and for the environment. So it's really cool stuff. And it's like amazing how just like one person can make a difference. And so everyone should get involved. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's definitely a good testament to how that can happen. Right. Because I think, one thing we're hearing now, and we won't stay on politics. So if anyone's like freaking out right now, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> like, great, these two. Yes. But uh, <laughs> but I think a lot of people, especially in California, will say, "Well, I'm not going to vote. My vote doesn't matter." Right. And what do you what do you say about that? You know, I I feel like our votes. I guess technically there is some something to that, um, but. The thing is, is I'm sure many of us have family in other places, but also California is where a lot of people look to for guidance and for, you know, leadership. And so I think even though maybe there's that kind of in within the electoral college or technically maybe our votes don't feel like they carry as much weight as other states, some of these other states really look to us for leadership and for guidance. So I do think in that sense, our votes really do matter. And what we do here in California really does matter. Yeah, agree. And I think that people can in any state they're in, or even if people outside of the US are listening, uh, you've just shown how one person can make a difference. And yes, yes. so that's, that's (laughs) awesome. So going, going back a little bit, 
when you decided you weren't going to go just the traditional universe university path yeah. and you were going to do something else, that's at an age where I remember just it being super stressful. I mean, I majored in political science because I thought I was going to be a lawyer and I didn't understand how I could not be a lawyer. And I thought I knew what my whole life was going to be. Yeah. So do you remember, and just thinking about like your path and choosing it, do you remember what you were going through at the time and even how your friends and family reacted? Because I'm just thinking about people who are choosing their path when they're early. Like, what are they, what are they thinking about? Yes. I totally, I totally remember like, um, growing up, like in high school, I remember teachers telling me and, you know, you just hear adults all your life, especially millennials and Gen Z kids. I think like you have to go to college, you have to get a degree, you have to make money, you have to be, uh, you know, well off or whatever you want money, you want money. And so you've got to go to college so you can get money so you can get a house and you can do all these things. And so I remember like really thinking I was going to be a doctor for so long and like, I'm going to be a dentist and I'm going to make a bunch of money (laughs) and I'm going to be happy. And that's, what's going to make me happy is a bunch of money and being a dentist. And I even like went to dental assistant school and like all this silly, like (laughs) trying to pursue my dreams of wealth (laughs) and success. And then I, I, I mean, my, like, the thing that happened to me was a little bit probably different, but I got in this really awful car accident where I was rear-ended by a Hummer that was going like 75 miles an hour. And I was at a dead stop on the 405. And literally after that car accident, I, my whole life changed. Like I totally changed what was important to me, what I, you know, wanted to prioritize in my life. And I just decided I was not going to, you know, become a doctor or some kind of college professor. Money wasn't at the center of my focus or the center of my universe anymore. And I really wanted to do what was going to make me happy and what I do what I could to make the world a better place. And so that totally <laughs> rocked my yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, it's the catalyst, right? The, I, I definitely know around that age, I had something major happen that I won't get into. I probably got into it on the first episode. I I'm still going to record the very first one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, same thing. Um, so I get that. So when you, when you think about, uh, then you're acting though, and you deciding to pursue that as a career. And I'd say, if we look at those three A's, right. So you have your activist, you have, uh, acting and you have artists, I'd say acting, do you consider acting to be what your actual career is? Definitely. I, I really, I really love, that's like definitely my first true. Yeah. My first true love is definitely acting. And that's my primary focus is acting. It's just like the most fulfilling, uh, for me. I mean, I love the activism and I love art, but there's definitely some, I mean, I'm definitely sort of new to art. I just kind of started doing art uh, a lot during the pandemic, um, painting and stuff, which has been fun. And then especially like electoral politics, there can definitely be some sides of it that I think are, I'm not a good fit for cause I'm very sensitive and emotional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't think that's a, the right path for someone like me as electoral politics. So I definitely think acting is definitely more my, and I, I think acting, it kind of all really comes together because there's this element of 
artistry to acting and craft to acting. And then there's also an element of uh, change making and, and story through storytelling is how we can really affect change. Like I think back to so many of the things that we've seen, you know, just throughout history and how we've been able to change hearts and minds. And I really feel like it's been through film and TV and, mm-hmm. and theater, we can like really make an impact. And so I feel like that's where I want to um, primarily focus as acting. That's awesome. And during, I mean, the whole, I'd say whole theater scene and even a lot of um, TV and movies have been shut down by the pandemic, but you kept things going for yourself. So uh, with the dig deep theater, can you tell me a little bit about that? Totally. Yes. So that's been my favorite little project that I've done during the pandemic because for, for, for a while I felt like a professional student. I was like, nonstop going to acting classes. And I wasn't doing the work I wanted to be doing. I was just doing it in class. And so often I've heard teachers or fellow classmates say, you know, you have to make opportunities for yourself. You can't sit around and wait for somebody to give you the audition or the job that you want. You should pick up, they always use the iPhone. They're like, you have an iPhone, like you can shoot a movie. And I'm like, I don't know about that, but okay. (laughs) But they always say things like that, create opportunities for yourself. So, so at the beginning of the pandemic, or, or right before the pandemic, I guess I should say, I was in a play uh, that was at the main in Santa Clarita, Eurydice by Sarah Rule. Love that play. Um, I played Eurydice and it was just the best experience. And then in late last year, like November, I was in The Gingerbread Lady by Neil Simon, which was also at the main. And so I felt like, as I'm sure many of us have felt, like 2020 is going to be my year. I'm going to do theater all year long. I'm going to book all these jobs. And then the the pandemic happened and uh, I was so depressed. And then I thought back to all those teachers and classmates that talked about like creating opportunity for yourself. And I, I thought, well, I could just do online. I'll just do an online play reading. And I applied for the rights to proof by David Auburn. And I found a director and I cast it myself and we did a like zoom performance and it ended up being so successful and great. And it was so well received that the main started doing a virtual season, like inspired off of the proof play reading. Some of the people at the main like curated an online virtual play reading season. And so that was really cool. And then we also did the glass menagerie by Tennessee Williams. And I want to do another show before the year ends, but yeah, it's been fun. And and it's kind of cool. It's really interesting to do theater virtually because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's meant for stage, but it's kind of cool to see some of these stories that a lot of theater people know, like proof or glass menagerie and see it in a virtual way as if it were like a show. So it's really kind of cool. Yeah, that is. That's cool. And I think the theme I'm getting here is just you consistently make opportunities for yourself and you didn't even realize it, right? So, so you've been doing that. Like you've been doing that for a while and now you did it again. 
during the pandemic. And you've also given other actors an opportunity and a director an opportunity to work during this time. So that's pretty, pretty incredible. Thank you. Uh, and you, you also have a podcast, right? So, <laughs> yeah. I do have a podcast. Me and my friend. It's like it's not a cool podcast. Like yours is a listenable podcast. My my podcast. I don't know if it's like people would want to even ever listen to it because it's it's me and my friend Daisy reading Pride and Prejudice. So it's like extremely uh, nerdy and like very much like for a certain type of listener who wants to hear two ladies discuss Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> but but it's fun I mean we have like two listeners it's fine and it's no, that's our, our boyfriends or something and that's the Mark Darcy yes yeah one yeah so I mean I don't know they're right there some people like <laughs> they might think it's the wrong Mark Darcy when they're tuning in and think it's going to be Bridget Jones or something but that's yes. fine right exactly um, I was just in Bath England over the weekend actually oh. and that's yeah so the Jane Austen house is there. So there could be some listeners there. Yes. Oh, to contact them. <laughs> definitely. Ever since reading this book, because I never read Pride and Prejudice before, but I'm just dying to go. I've never been out of the country. I've never been overseas anywhere. <laughs> and I'm just dying to go now to see all of these uh, places that are discussed in the book, like Derbyshire and Kent and... <laughs> Oh my gosh, I want to go now. <laughs> yeah, you'll go. Yes. I'm sure I'm sure I have a feeling you'll go for sure. I want to dress up like uh Elizabeth Bennett. Maybe I'll dress up my boyfriend as Mr. Darcy and we'll go. <laughs> <laughs> He's been warned at least. If he li- you'll know if he yes. listened or not cuz he'll be searching for outfits. He's been warned. <laughs> when we go back to your veganism specifically, I'm going to ask you a really annoying question, which oh, is yeah. Something I get asked a lot. I, I do gluten free, which is not vegan, but it's a it's something I have to do, right? right? And I think I get put in the same category as vegans, where it's always something I'm bringing up in a conversation, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of like, well, those conversations are taking place at a restaurant where I'm ordering food, and I have to ask if there's gluten. But do you get accused of that, like of always bringing it up? And do you hear those jokes? Definitely, I I. And I've, I'm a pretty good sport about jokes and stuff. I think I, I was the, the butt of every joke in my friend group when I was growing up and I was always the one. So I'm used to like people making jokes at me. So I'm like a really good sport about it, but, but oh gosh, definitely. And I, it's so funny that you say that you're, that as gluten-free you're in the same boat because it's true. Like I, People get confused. I tell them I'm vegan and they're like, can you have bread? And I'm like, what? Yes, I can have bread. (laughs) So we're we're totally, yes, we're in the same boat with the struggle of kind of the questioning and the not understanding and the jokes and the, but yeah, I definitely, I do talk about it kind of a lot. And I have, I've even had people say that it's like, that, that vegans kind of speak about veganism in a very almost religious way. And it, I mean, I understand where that's coming from because veganism is so much about the animals that there is like this spirituality of like not wanting to hurt animals, not wanting to hurt the environment. So it kind of is tied to your spirituality in a sense for some, some people are vegan for just their health. But, Mm -hmm. um, if you're, 
that's more plant-based. If you're vegan, vegan is more like for the animals, for the planet. It's a way of life kind of thing. You don't wear certain, you don't wear wool, you don't wear leather, you don't uh, use products that have been tested on animals. So it's really like a lifestyle veganism. So I can see why people kind of look at it like, oh my gosh, it's like a cult. Because it's sort of is like tied to your spirituality. So I get it. (laughs) (laughs) But still, it's like, just let me order my food. Let me have my veggie burger. It's not a big deal. (laughs) It's not a big deal. How do you feel about the the veggie burgers now? They're like the Beyond Meat or whatever, where they bleed. I just, I don't know. I'm a total fan. I know. And there are some vegans who are very like, the they're very pure in their veganism they're whole food plant-based they don't eat anything processed and i think they look at some of the foods that are made to look like animals and it's somehow in their minds maybe not right but i feel like if it's something that's going to make more people not eat animals i'm on board i think it's a great idea and i actually eat beyond meat all the time. Oh my gosh. Cause I was a huge meat eater before mm-hmm. I went vegan. So it's not so much that I don't like the taste of meat. It's that I don't like that it's meat and that it's yeah. an animal. So if I can eat something that tastes just like it, I'm good. <laughs> I just, I think, I mean, they make uh, chicken nuggets in the shape of dinosaurs. So it's like, <laughs> you know, at least it's not like, you know, exactly. cut to look like a cow or something, exactly. you know, it's just still round. It's not even square. Like Wendy's burgers are square. It's, right. it's just round. Yeah. It's just round. <laughs> no, no big deal. Exactly. Uh, so are you still uh, a mentor as far as it goes for uh, PETA and vegan outreach? Yeah, I am. I, I, I've been doing that for a couple of years, I think. And it's online, uh, it's through email, and it's volunteer. So I think it's like when people go to PETA's website or go to Vegan Outreach and they um, ask to have a mentor, it's a volunteer position. And I just kind of, uh, it's like almost like pen pals. We talk through email and I give them advice, restaurant suggestions, recipe ideas, YouTube channels to subscribe to. So it's pretty cool. I love doing it. It's really fun. And it's because I know when I went vegan, I didn't really have I had my one my best friend who kind of helped me through it. But it's hard when you're living, you know, I live at home. And I don't live with someone who's vegan, or I didn't live with someone who was vegan. So when you're kind of like living in your, your living situation, or your environment, I guess I should say that you're in, it can be hard for some people. It wasn't hard for me I, in terms of like not cheating and not going back to, but for some people, it can really be a struggle when you're alone and your environment is not a vegan environment. It's hard to maintain that vegan lifestyle. And so the mentoring is kind of a way to help give someone, someone to talk to who can help them through the process. Yeah, that's really, that's great. I think that's really cool and something I definitely wasn't aware of. And so maybe some other people will hear about this. And I know I have a friend, a really good friend who uh, went vegan at the beginning of the year and it's been great for him, but I know his family isn't. And so he's cooking his own meals and that kind of thing. And I think it's pretty cool. And I try to eat vegan or plant-based I'd say mm-hmm. once or twice a week. And then I'll always um, send him the photos of the food. That's I'm so proud. I love it. See, I'm the kind of vegan 
there's those vegans who are like, oh my gosh, if you're not 100% vegan, bleh. But I feel like if any little change that someone can make is amazing because so many people don't even make a little change. So any kind of little like meatless Mondays, I'm a, I'm all about it. I think it's amazing. Yeah. And I was, I was reading too, if everyone just does that once a week, it's really going to make an impact. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Same with the environment. I was staying with some friends who are trying to do all plastic free now, which is incredible. And they were just teaching me about it this weekend. And it was really, it was great. And even from telling me like a sponge, like that you clean dishes with, just use a reusable dishcloth instead and just how much that can save for the environment. And I thought that was pretty cool. So I like hearing about these different ways, these small impact things we can do that don't inconvenience us very much, right? Exactly. With your art. So you're a very talented painter. I mean, and I think anyone who sees your art will say that. And by the way, if anyone is listening, uh, there's going to be a link in the show notes, so you should check it out. But how'd you get into art or maybe back into it if you had been doing it before? My mom and her dad were both artists. My mom, maybe not as much as her dad, my dad or my grandpa, Stephen, um, was an incredible artist. I never met him, but I have some of his stuff hanging up around my room and it's, he's, he's very talented. And so I think that's kind of where the interest always, I always had an interest and I think it came from the fact that I have artists in my family, but I think I took one observational art class at college of the canyons. And then other than that, um, everything I've done, I taught my, I taught myself. I was like self-taught, uh, artist, um, just through like YouTube videos and like skillshare.com, <laughs> just like watching, um, people paint and draw and, um, learning about the different mediums of paint, like acrylic or oil or gouache or watercolor. Um, so I've, I, everything I've learned, I've like learned from the internet, which is really cool. And, um, the internet is, um, can be very amazing for things like this. Um, teaching yourself how to do something. And, um, yeah, I, I, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, I was, bored and sort of I have like a Capricorn rising in my chart sorry to get all astrological (laughs) but I'm like I can't I can't not be doing 10 things I have to be doing 100 things and I have to be overwhelmed and freaking out or I'm not okay (laughs) So, so at the beginning of the pandemic I was like oh my gosh I'm like only doing one thing and I need to be doing 10 things what can I do and I thought well I maybe I'll get back into painting I took that class at College of the Canyons. And I did a couple of like observational things that I thought were turned out cool. And I've always loved watercolor. And I, I didn't really do a ton of painting in that class, but I've always had an interest in painting. I think in like 2011, I thought I was going to get into painting. And I bought a bunch of oil paints and an easel. And I painted one thing that looked horrible, It looked ugly, it was so bad. And I never touched it. I didn't pick it up anymore because I just was discouraged and I felt like, Oh, I'm bad. I don't want to do it anymore. And, um, so at the beginning of the pandemic, I started watching YouTube videos and I got some stuff from the dollar store. This is like my favorite thing. I think everybody 
needs to hear this. So you don't really need a bunch of money to do painting. The dollar store has dollar canvas, dollar paints, and dollar brushes. And if you could see, I have this one painting, and it's on my thing if it's linked in my website, if it's linked in the description. But I have this one painting of this, like, ocean scene with this, like, sunset. And it looks crazy. And I did it all with dollar store stuff. So it's like you really don't need a bunch of money to do art. You just need your your laptop or your phone, your YouTube channels and your and your dollar store supplies and you can make beautiful things for your friends and family. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. And then you're also just to add to it and kind of throwing the shiny twist onto it, you are raising money for BLM and for some local political candidates. So what are you doing and how are you doing that? Yeah. So the, the, when I, I raised a, a good amount of money for black lives matter, just from painting stuff and selling it and donating all the money. Um, so that was great. And then I found this kind of new way to, to help raise money for our, the down ballot candidates by hosting paint night fundraisers over zoom and i have each person who signs up donate fifty dollars to the candidate and then they donate ten to fifteen dollars to me and i go buy their supplies for them and then i deliver the supplies to their doors contactless door delivery of the paint the canvas and the brushes and then we all get on zoom and i like guide them through a painting like how you would if you go to those like wine and sip and paint places that used to be open before everything shut down. But it's like similar to that, but on zoom. So it's really fun and everyone has a great time and everyone walks away with like a nice painting to hang up on their wall and they get to feel good about having donated a significant amount of money to a down ballot candidate who can use that for mailers or lit or whatever. So it's really, really been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's really cool. And just the fact that too, they're, I think, doing something that's positive for them and almost self care at that point, right? That's totally how I've been framing it. Like with, we had a paint night the day after um, the devastating and unfortunate passing of Ruth, uh, Bader Ginsburg. And it, it was really, really therapeutic for so many of us to like get on and like paint. We even painted, if I'm not mistaken, a blue wave. I think that was when we did that. So it was sort of to kind of manifest the blue wave. And (laughs) so it was totally therapeutic though. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. So you, you are involved in a lot of different things. And you've already said that that's part of your personality. And I completely get that. I'm a Taurus, but apparently there's another planet, right? Or something. I don't know what happened. Yes. They added another sign. So I don't oh, even know I where know. I fit. Yeah, I don't even know. Everything I, up. <laughs> I mean, I only knew I was supposed to be stubborn. And I've tried to be as stubborn as possible. Yes. You can ask, ask any family and friends. <laughs> so now I'm like, am I supposed to be stubborn? Uh, I'm always busy. So I could have some of the Capricorn. <laughs> Not sure. I love it. <laughs> but, but how do you decide where and how to spend your time and, and really not getting overwhelmed with that? Because, you know, I feel like part of 
part of the reason this podcast is is happening right now is just to tell people, look, you can do more than one thing and you can be more than one thing. And your work doesn't have to define you and like your self-worth. So I'm a project manager during the day. I like my job, actually. It's pretty cool. I have awesome coworkers, but that's not my entire contribution to this world. Right. You have a lot you're contributing, but how do you decide what to do and where to spend your time? Yeah, definitely. I try to be really patient with myself because there will be like a span of days where I'll be doing all this. Like right now I'm, I'm in that part. I'm, I took my vitamins this morning and I'm very like ready to do all my things today. But I know in like four days or five days, I'll have like a day where I'm going to totally be burned out and watching Netflix all day. And (laughs) it'll be a day that will be that will feel in my mind like I've wasted it, but I haven't I'm taking care of myself and I'm being patient with myself. And I definitely think that's key and important to not to not Uh, be hard on yourself. And this is gosh, I need to like, (laughs) take my own advice right here. As I say it, be patient with yourself, Shawnee. And um, if you're not doing 100 things, that's okay, Shawnee. (laughs) um, Everything you're doing is great and wonderful. And you are enough. And I try to tell myself that I have this thing hanging above my bed. It's a little piece of paper. And I've I wrote all these things like I am enough. I am fearless. I won't give up. And I try to look at that and I try really hard to let that sink in. It's very hard to let it sink in, but I try desperately <laughs> to let these things sink in. But but yeah, I think I, I I do try and like do a little bit every day. Like especially right now I have like a couple of people who've commissioned paintings from me. And I just I try to say like, okay, I'm gonna do a little bit each day. And um, be incremental in my work. I think like, (laughs) being the progressive that I am, I'm like, no incrementalism, we need it now. And I feel that way about everything. I need it all now. And that's probably also the millennial like, instant gratification, like everything has to be immediate. But I'm starting to slowly learn that Sometimes we need to be incremental (laughs) to get things done. It can't all happen now, even though I want it to, and we can work for that. Um, So I try to do that with all of my things. I try to be incremental with my painting and my activism and just take baby steps and not rush things and, yeah, not put too much pressure on myself. (laughs) Well, and that actually covered another question. I was just going to ask, like, what advice do you have on mantra? So you're actually really good at... It's like you're an AI for me. <laughs> you, you figured out what was next. So that's good. Yes, definitely. Yeah. You are enough. That's the big one. I think I am enough. That's like my, that's the hard thing for me to, mm-hmm. to grasp. That's why I think that's why I always feel like I have to be doing so many things. Cause I'm not enough. Nothing I'm doing is ever enough for myself. Right. Um, but I have to, yes, I, we are enough. What we are doing, we are wonderful and great and enough. And I need to take my own advice. <laughs> yeah, so that's always the hardest thing is to take our own advice. You know, yeah. I was wondering if therapists, like how their home life really is. I know. You know? Like well, you said something that was really powerful to me, but what's going on? You know, yeah. how are you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> yeah. What's going on with you? Uh, so I have a series of questions I call the fun five. Uh, 
there are five, which is very rare with me. I usually say I have three things to say and I say like five or six, but (laughs) (laughs) so the first one, what's the oldest t-shirt that you have and that you still wear? Oh my gosh. I I know. I, I know immediately what it is. I have this white tank top that I've had for so long. And it really, honestly, like truthfully, it's not very, the the little phrase on it, it says, ain't no wifey. Um, Because when I got it, I thought I was like very edgy and kind of cool. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody's wifey. But like, the truth is, is I'm like a Disney person. And I love the Disney movies. I'm totally a wifey, like take me home. I'll bake you cookies. (laughs) So it's like, really, it's not very fitting for me. But it's fine. <laughs> Sometimes I'm edgy, so it's okay. <laughs> you know. Okay, a lot of people are saying it's Groundhog's Day, right? That's mm-hmm. like the thing. People are saying, oh, it's so Groundhog's Day all of 2020. Yeah. So if it was really Groundhog's Day, what song would you have your alarm clock play for you every morning? Oh, my God. Um. Oh, gosh. Let's see. Probably something Queen- for sure. I'm like a queen person. I love queen. Um, I'm going to probably go with, I love save me. I'm going to go save me by queen. All right. (laughs) I wonder how many days it would take for you to be done with it. Like during (laughs) watching that movie, I was so, I don't got you, babe. I'm done with that song. (laughs) You could feel Bill Murray just dying inside. (laughs) All right. So save me by queen. Very good. Uh, Can you think about the last time you just laughed so hard you cried or almost cried? Oh, man, I it's funny that you asked this. I I, I'm sure I've laughed so hard that I've cried before this. But I was thinking back um, because I work at Disneyland and a lot of right now, a lot of my coworkers. And potentially, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But we're all kind of in limbo as far as if we're getting laid off or not. Because Disney's doing these mass layoffs where they're laying off over 20,000 people. And so some people have gotten calls already. Some people haven't heard anything. So we just don't know. I'm kind of in the position where I don't know if I still have my job or not. <laughs> and many of my friends have been laid off. And I was thinking, I was kind of looking through old pictures of my time working at Disneyland. And I was thinking back to some of the moments with my, my coworkers. And I, I remember there was this one, this one girl who we were best friends. This was like early, early in my Disney days. Um, when I like first got hired, I just instantly clicked with, with this girl, Cassandra. We were like best friends. We got each other best friend necklaces. And we always were gridded together. We were scheduled together almost every day. So we saw each other every day. And I remember we were in this room that was full of guests, park guests, and we were supposed to be kind of like talking to the guests. And um, her and I, I don't know what happened, but her and I were in tears, crying and laughing and about something ridiculous, totally ridiculous. And all of these poor people were kind of just like looking at us like, awkwardly like are you gonna um talk to us um you work here we don't you're supposed to be talking to us and you're just in a fit of tears and laughter and I I can't remember what happened but it was just such a great memory to to think about the other day actually (laughs) maybe maybe it's in someone's Yelp review or something (laughs) these two girls these two girls they're crazy we wanted to find you know 
whatever. We wanted to find Tinkerbell and these two. <laughs> these two were just all about whatever was going on. Their little <laughs> inside joke. <laughs> all right. Coffee or tea or neither? Tea. Tea. Okay. So what kind of tea do you like? Big tea person. I'm a huge tea with cream and sugar person. And I've seen this, I saw this meme going around like a month ago on Twitter about like, if, if your significant other drinks your tea, drinks their tea like this, uh, get rid of them. And it was like a tea with milk and cream in it. And I was so offended. I'm like, excuse me. Some of us like that. It's good. Like a good black tea with some cream and sugar is fine. I don't know. I'm not a honey lemon person. I'm definitely a cream and sugar person in my tea. But I like Earl Grey. Just a good Earl Grey. Well, there was this whole thing going around. uh, I think it was on Instagram, but I'm not sure. Where some American lady was showing how to make a cup of tea. And the British people flipped out. And I'm in (laughs) London. I'm living in London right now. And so I'll get asked things like, like, Oh, have you seen that video? Is that how you make tea? No, because I don't. I don't do dairy, so no. There <laughs> you, know? you go. <laughs> I bring that up, but <laughs> but yeah, they're so offended by it. It's it's yeah. insane. But my mom, <laughs> you drink your tea like my mom does. I think it's fine. You know, yeah. you enjoy it, right? So so good. Just a little. I guess I should say almond milk creamer for me. Yes, there you go. not real cream. <laughs> we we always have to bring that up. I know. Sorry, <laughs> hey, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, and just who inspires you right now? Who are you inspired by? Who am I inspired by? Well, I'm always and forever inspired by Bernie Sanders <laughs> um, in his uh, passion. He never gives up. He's always out there being consistent. And I love that about Bernie Sanders. But I also am going to say I'm inspired by I'm, of course, always inspired by Meryl Streep. How can I not say (laughs) Meryl Streep, every actress's idol. Um, And uh, I don't know about his person, but his art uh, or his um, acting work. um, I love Sean Penn. I'm a huge like Sean Penn as an actor, I don't know about him as a as a human being. I'm not sure. I don't know enough about him as a human being, honestly. But his his acting work inspires me. I think about Sean Penn's acting work every day. <laughs> no, that's good. Those are good choices. I'm sure Bernie and Meryl and Sean. I mean, they that's probably don't all get here. mentioned. Yeah, but that's your. <laughs> exactly. That's great. Well, is there anything you want to? Tell people about to like promote at this point. Ooh, yeah. So um, if you were interested in watching some Zoom theater, um, I think the next show that I'm going to do over Zoom, so anybody can come and watch it, will be All My Sons by Arthur Miller. Um, It's my favorite play of all time. I love All My Sons. And I have... It mostly cast for the most part. Um, and I think we're going to do that before the end of the year for sure on Zoom. So um, you can follow the Facebook page is just Dig Deep Theater. And um, that will be on there. There's also an Instagram, Dig Deep Theater, all one word. And it's theater spelled, uh, I don't know if it's the Brit. I think it's the British way, T H 
E A R T. No, <laughs> how can I? I can't spell T H. Yeah, T H E A T R E. Yeah, I was spelling it right. What's wrong with me? <laughs> I can spell. Uh, so dig deep theater. Um, you can follow that on Instagram, and that will all be there. And you can also follow me on Instagram. It's Shawnee Badger, all one word. And then that's it. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks so much, Shawnee. This has been just, it's been a lot of fun chatting with you and getting to know more about you. I knew about your policy that you wrote. I remember when that happened, but I didn't know as much about you. So this is great. And I just think I've gotten a lot from you and just learning about all the ways that you're kind of merging your art and your activism and what you love. And I think that's great. So thank you. Thank you. This was so fun. And I'm super excited about your podcast. I'm going to subscribe because we, we podcasters got to support each other. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining me this week. You can find out more about our guest in the show notes. The music you're probably moving to by now is by Joe Mafia. Find him on Spotify. That's Joe M-A-F-F-I-A. And Rob Medke is responsible for our visual design. You can find him online if you search for Rob M-E-T-K-E. Thanks, Rob. Let us know who you'd like to hear from or about your own experiences defining yourself outside of work at More Than Work Pod on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Give us a follow there, and also please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to More Than Work. While being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.